0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the Believe in Texas Rangers podcast. I am your host, Wyatt Huskins. It's great to be with you. What a great day to be a Rangers fan yesterday. The organization gets a sweep from top to bottom Rangers, of course, beating the Mets 2-1. to We're going to take a look at that. We're going to recap that game. Look at tonight's action. Take a look around the league, the standings. Take a little look down at the farm system. Yesterday was a big day for the guys on the farm. So let's get right into it. Yesterday, the Mets lose to your Texas Rangers 2-1. to Andrew Heaney, Heen Dog, is he back? Is Andrew Heaney back to being the Heen Dog. That's the first half of this game, right? That is the story of the first half. The Rangers, of course, get some hits, get on base. Jose Quintana, his track record as a MLB starter, kind of limiting the runs, right? He he allows the contact, but a lot of the times it's going to be weak, and you're not going to have a whole lot of big innings off of this guy. At least that's been his track record. He brought that into yesterday's game, going six scoreless. But that's not the starting pitcher we want to talk about. We want to talk about Andrew Heaney. Seven Ks across five and a third. Gets pulled as Pete Alonzo comes up to plate. You have to agree with that decision. I I know that Andrew got the strikeout on Pete Alonzo earlier in the game. You want that right-on-right matchup against Pete Alonzo. One of the best power hitters in the world. But Andrew Heaney doing some things. He, of course, did the Andrew Heaney thing, which is... Uh, let guys get on base, right? And he seems to be incapable of not allowing those situations, right? It's it's the leadoff hits. It's the leadoff walks. And then he seems to tighten down. And, and that's cool, but that's not a recipe to get deep into ball games. The broadcast talked about it last night. They wanted, I think, potentially for Andrew Heaney to go six. It just didn't work out that way. Um, but Bruce Bochy pulling the right strings, bringing in Chris Stratton to get the last two outs of that inning and then turning it over to the bullpen. I didn't realize that Brock Burke's splits against righties and lefties were so intense and that he actually favors going against righties or at least that's what the numbers indicate, right? I think the the batting average was close to 40 points of a difference between righty and lefties uh, for Brock Burke. Then you turn it over to Will Smith, who can we talk about that play real quick? The glove flip to first, full sprint, gets the out to end the inning. What an electric way! At this point in the ball game, we were up one to nothing, and it just felt like that all the momentum was on our side, and it just it, it just stayed there. Uh, honestly, that's that's the only explanation I have for it. We we continued to gain momentum in the later innings, the second game in a row in which the Texas Rangers have come back from either this game a late inning tie, right? Through six, scoreless, the whole game. We hadn't scored. They hadn't scored. Really, really needed to stay on track and get another win, especially having to turn the game over to this shaky bullpen. Like, let's be honest. So that's a big, that's a big time win for the Rangers. Will Smith, great play. Aroldis Chapman once again coming into the ninth and once again giving up a run. I don't know what. His issue is with the ninth inning. This dude was an elite closer for so many years, and he's still like the mechanical change of sitting on that back foot and really getting the power from his lower body. When that dude is that that thick, right? He's got a, he's got a few C's. When he is that thick, he can generate so much power to be able to God. Just wind up and really, really tighten up and then release that ball. It's really amazing to see. And that, of course, is awesome. However, it would be even better if he could do it in the ninth inning and not give up a run. Uh, just a great, a great pitch to go the other way with. I mean, and, and honestly, it wasn't even that great of a pitch, right? Or a great that that great of a pitch to hit, I'm gonna say. It was a good pitch. It was on a borderline strike on the outside corner. And Sintos just goes the other way with it and drives the ball. The ball hadn't really been carrying that well, but I guess when you're hitting a ball that is 101 or 102, it's going to go pretty far if you get the barrel to it, right? And and Sintos did do that, of course. Now, talking a little bit about the offense, right? Pitching did great. Bullpen shut it down. Hopefully, tonight, 540, first pitch, central time. That will continue, but... The hitting. Once again, tough to start, right? Nothing really going. You had Nathaniel Lowe, who got on base a couple times. You had Marcus Simeon draw a walk early in the game. You had Robbie Grossman have a couple hits. It wasn't like there wasn't a whole lot going on. And then, of course, you have Mitch Garver, who is one of the hottest hitters in the league, it seems, at this point. Right now, in August, I think he has eight home runs. Over 23 games, I believe that was the stat from Jared Sandler. Shout out to Jared Sandler for everything that he does, filling in for Eric Nadell. But I digress. Mitch Garver, one for two yesterday with two walks and a home run. Scored both runs, one in the seventh off the the solo shot and one in the ninth off an Ezekiel Duran RBI single. This guy is is really something. It, it feels so good to have a guy like Mitch Garver on your team who you gave up. You, you, you really traded. You traded the the defense of IKF for the offense of Mitch Garver, and I think it's really worked out. Believe it or not, um, Ezekiel Duran, having proved himself a capable replacement on injury and proven himself to be a capable starter, you know when everybody's healthy, has been huge. It's. You know, IKF was a good player for us and, you know, at the time maybe didn't enjoy seeing him go just because of the clubhouse presence that he had on this team. But Mitch Garver, man, he is really something, especially this month of August, especially with Jonah Heim having been injured. We saw him last night in the game. Austin Hedges got the start. I think we may see a little more of that when we face lefty starters. We'll get Mitch Garver in at catcher, a start or Austin Hedges, and then if it is Austin who gets to start whenever a righty comes out of the pen and he comes up, it will be a Jonah Heim pinch hit at bat. Yeah, if Mitch Garver can keep delivering a little bit of Garv sauce for us the rest of the way, I am not worried. I'm a little worried. It's a three-way tie at the top of the standings. Um, Before we get into that, you know, just to tie a knot on this game, ninth inning, you know, you get you get Jankowski hit, Mitch, Mitch Garver walk, Jankowski hit, and then Ezekiel Duran comes up with runners on second and third. And God, to to the fact that this this kid is so composed, right? And you can say what you will about when he DHs and he seems to kind of break himself by not being out in the field. When this dude is Just being himself when he is out here enjoying the game of baseball, playing the sport that he loves, he is he's kind of incredible to watch because he could strike out on some just some junk. He can strike out at any time, but his ability to hit with two strikes is honestly amazing. And in this situation, to not only do that, but to get a hit after a ball goes right behind you, like almost the back of your head knocks your helmet off. You're you're I mean, let's be honest, a little dazed and confused out there for sure. You're like, oh, whoa, whoa. And to compose himself and drive the ball into left field for a single driving in Mitch Garver, give us the insurance run that was absolutely needed when you have a role Chapman coming in for the ninth. I'm kind of I'm, I'm going to be honest, I would. Is it too early to say let's just go with Jose Leclerc? I think so. I think it is too early. However, I would like to see it again. This guy was, was I mean, he was he an elite closer? Probably not, but he was a pretty good one for, for a while. And, you know, different situations have changed his role within the organization. And, you know, you saw that this year. Starting off the year, he was going to be the closer. And, and now I know I touched on that yesterday. But it's just kind of cool to see Jose Leclerc get it right tonight. We got Dane Dunning going against Dinyi Reyes, a guy in the last five and two thirds, I want to say. Yeah, five and two thirds has given up ten runs, ten earned runs. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that means the Rangers will be shut out this game. No, I'm I'm kidding. I have full faith in the offense. Corey Seeger is very close to qualifying amongst the league leaders. If you guys were unaware, Evan Grant on Twitter pointed that out. I think he's about four A.B. shy as of this morning. Um, So in the next couple days, three games, we could see Corey Seager at the top of the league leaders in a lot of categories, including batting average and possibly OPS. I haven't checked those in a minute, but I know him and Shohei were tied at one point with a 1074 OPS It's a three-way tie in the AL West right now. The Seattle Mariners, your Texas Rangers, and the Houston Lastros. I will call them the Houston Lastros. I like that one a lot. It's the only one that really just rolls off the tongue. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But the Rangers control our own destiny. We shall see what happens. You know, we've got after this Mets series, we have the Minnesota Twins coming coming into town. We just faced them on that four-game series in Minnesota. I expect a better showing from our guys, especially if we get this sweep tonight. If we are able to carry the momentum of a sweep, I know it's just the Mets, but to carry in a sweep instead of, what were we at at that point, a six-game losing streak when we started that series? I think that feels pretty good. Hopefully this time around you can get to the starters because as we saw, this Twins bullpen is is pretty good. I think it'll be a weapon come playoff time. Do I think that they'll win a series? Mm, Probably not, just honestly. They probably won't. At least I don't think so. I could be wrong. I am not an expert. I'm just a guy. Anyways, the bullpen's really good. I think we can get to the starters this time. And, you know, carry this momentum, make it, who knows, maybe make it a streak if we can win tonight, if we can win tonight. And after that, you know, we control our own destiny. I know we have a series with Houston still in September. And then, of course, I said it last time, we have the last seven out of 10 games are against the Mariners. We control our own destiny. There is no reason to panic unless Corey Seager. Oh, I'm not even going to voice it. I'm not even going to say it out loud. I'm just going to keep it quiet because that's what we do. So, like I said, three-way tie. It'll be an interesting way to finish the season for sure. Now, another member of the AL West, the Los Angeles Angels, did some things yesterday along with a few other teams in the league, but with the Angels, it's a little different. They released... Three, I believe, three of their trade deadline acquisitions yesterday. Lucas Giolito, Reonardo Lopez, and Randall Gritchick all hit waivers yesterday. And is this the most Angels move that the Angels will ever make? I think a lot of us were questioning, including myself, Whether they should have bought at the deadline. Of course, they have and the best player on the planet in Shohei Otani. They had, they still have Mike Trout. Of course, he's been hurt a lot this year. That Hammate Bone, he's still not, he tried to come back, was a little too sore the day after they put him back on the 10 day IL. But the motivation to buy, I understand. When you have a guy like Shohei Otani, I think you owe it to yourselves to try. At that point in the season, however, with the personnel that you have in place and the limited, I would say, availability of certain guys, of certain big-time guys, right, you know, they, they, they held that card. They held the best player on the trade deadline. They held that card. Potential trader trade, I should say, in Shohei Otani, and instead, and of course, they 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 don't have a strong farm system to get deals done with, and therefore, people question whether they should buy, and they did, and here we are. They have thrown in the towel. They are waving the white flag. They have essentially said, we made a huge error at the trade deadline. We probably should have traded Shohei. And, uh, you know, you guys, we can't get anything for you because you're all going to be free agents. We will not get a compensation pick because we traded for you. And we're going to get below the luxury tax. Because why not? We're not going to win. There's a month in the season left, but we're not going to win. Does the Shohei UCL tear have a major factor in this situation? Probably, yeah. But they shouldn't have been in this situation to to begin with. They, I mean, come on. I get it. You have to believe in your team if it's your team. But man, this organization is, is just abysmal, top to bottom. And I do not understand how you have seen your track record over the last 20 years in terms of acquisitions especially Shohei being the one that's really worked out right you drafted Mike Trout you didn't you didn't trade for him you didn't sign him you drafted him but over the years there's been so 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 many and what well, might as well i mean honestly might as well call call Shohei you know got him when when he was young signed him out of japan you could call it an acquisition you could call it you know Something else. Who knows? Anyways, this team has never been good at turning other teams' assets into assets for themselves. It seems to be an organizational issue. Albert Pujols, C.J. Wilson, Josh Hamilton, Justin Upton. The list goes on. And everybody but Lopez in this in the acquisitions that they made, C.J. Krohn as well. Uh, I'm assuming, I haven't looked at his contract situation in a minute, I'm assuming he must have an extra year on that deal; otherwise, he would have been cut too. And so, you've left your farm with nothing, especially with their propensity to call up these these draft picks that, like, not even a full year or even like like come on, they're calling them up left and right to try to figure something out. And then what what are, what are they going to have? They're going to get a comp pick when Shohei walks, and then and then what? You know, you got Mike Trout injured. The time to sell on him was probably a couple years ago, just like the time to sell and really and truly on Shohei, Shohei Otani was the last trade deadline. It should have gone for the Angels last year, trade Shohei at the deadline, trade Mike Trout in the offseason, and then reset because this is clearly not working. And so the implications on the rest of the league, and there are some more, like Harrison Bader got cut from the Yankees, a productive player. He's going to be a free agent in the offseason. There really wasn't, they didn't think, and you you don't want to give a qualifying offer to a guy like that. So let him go play for another team, get some rookies in there. And I'm sure that that's kind of the Angels logic in this as well. But their main factor is getting below the, Luxury tax. I mean, come on. To go from, oh, yeah, we're going to try to make the playoffs to, I I would rather not pay a a few extra bucks is insane to me. Rangers, the only guy I can imagine they make a waiver claim on is Lopez. He's been really good since leaving the White Sox from one abysmal organization to another. How about we get him in a stable place with a guy like Bruce Bochy who can handle a bullpen, you know? Imagine that. Imagine if we did that. I think if that were to happen, uh, it'd be tough. I I, I don't know how they're feeling about Martin Perez. He did, uh, let's be, I said said yesterday, he did great out of the bullpen. Two innings. The two-seamer was really working, and I think that he can do some things in that role. However, this team has a lot of lefties coming out of the pen especially when Nathan avaldi comes back which by the way on the broadcast they said something around the September call up date maybe not that day that September 1st day which is is that tomorrow or is that in 2 days that's on Friday that's on Friday so maybe not Friday but maybe sometime next week we could see Nathan avaldi come back give us a few innings cuz i don't i really doubt he's going on a rehab start so what happens what happens say if if Somehow, some way, they make the claim, and it, and Lopez reaches them. You get another quality righty out of the pen. Some, I mean, because right now we are going to run at this juncture. If we keep it the way it is, we will run both Josh Spores and Jose Leclerc into the ground, being the only real two right-handers out of the pen. If I'm, unless I'm totally blanking on somebody I know we got we just Glenn Otto just came up we'll see what he can do of course he he could he could be the guy that just gets sent down and and we keep Martin Perez Um, but I think we'd have to make two moves right because you have Nathan Evaldi coming back and once we get to the playoffs we'll have to send one guy down for him and then if we get Lopez we will have to send another guy down Um, and that will also include a 40-man move so it'll be interesting to see I think as, as I also, I think that the organization agrees with this thought, not that I've asked, but Andrew Heaney out of the bullpen, probably a little more potential to be that piece that you need coming from the left side as a long guy or as a short burst situation of getting the strikeouts that you need. Um, Martine, obviously, really good at getting the ball in the ground. I don't know if that's enough value in the pen for that. To continue. So we'll see. Hopefully, you know, maybe we see another change. I know a lot of people, including myself, were hoping for another bullpen piece at the deadline. That didn't come to fruition, but, you know, stuff happens. And of course, you want to be able to save some of the prospects to address the needs in the offseason for a trade or two. Speaking of prospects, we'll finish it out down on the farm. Evan Carter, happy birthday. Yesterday, Evan turned 21 years old. That feels weird to say for me. I am 25. Therefore, it's weird to have guys that are about to come up. And in in the sport as well already. Like Ezekiel Duran is younger than me. It feels kind of weird at this point. But that's neither here nor there. Evan Carter celebrates his birthday. Four for six. All singles. In his AAA debut. Really good to see. The, the the Express, I almost said the Rough Riders. He is no longer a Frisco Rough Rider. He is a Round Rock Express. are sitting first in the PCL West. So we'll get a little playoff minor league baseball, hopefully, knock on wood, that Evan Carter can once again experience last year, taking home the Texas League Championship, by the way. Justin Foskey in this game also, two for three with a walk. He had been really... I, w- I don't want to say really struggling but he it had been a big struggle since the trade deadline passed I think maybe he expected to go somewhere else and let's be clear Justin Fosci former top 100 prospect like last year still really good can really hit the can really hit the ball I think he, I, I know I don't think I know he has really no future in this organization. Look for him to be traded this offseason, but still a cool guy to follow, especially because he can hit. He really can hit. And the defense is coming along. He's been playing a lot of third this year. Down in double A, the pitchers. Antoine Kelly is kind of electric coming out of the bullpen. Wolfram as well, continuing a very strong season, getting promoted from Hickory to double to A, Frisco. He has continued to be electric out of the bullpen. There's a couple of guys down there there's there's a few guys in the minor league system those two you have Mark Church and a few others that are potential bullpen guys for probably next season see if they can't stick in the back end of the bullpen and really make a name for themselves and then in high a of course Wyatt Langford Wyatt watch Wyatt on Wyatt watch who knows we're gonna we're gonna figure out a title for that two for four. With an absolute screamer, a screamer into the stands and left or into the bullpen. I think he's hitting over three three forty at this point with the two for four day last night in in high A. Um, I don't know how long he sticks in high A in Hickory that much longer. I'll be honest. I think by the end of the season he will be in double A. This kid is really good. He can hit the ball. Really hard. He can draw a lot of walks, already has more walks than strikeouts, or at least it was the case a couple days ago. It's a really exciting time. Once again, I know I keep saying it. I may say it every episode. To be a Texas Rangers fan, I think that's gonna do it for this edition of the Believe in Texas Rangers podcast. Tonight, of course, Dane Dunning, Deny Reyes in New York, in Queens at 5:40 central time first pitch. Very excited to see what Dane Dunning can do against this Mets team, very poor offensively. I will look for Dane Dunning to go at least 6, maybe 7, give up an earned run or two and let the offense really do its job. Hopefully they can have a coming out party tonight. Jonah Heim probably getting back in the lineup in the lineup. And it'll be a good time. It'll be hopefully be a fun game to watch. That'll do it. this edition until next time make it a good one